Hi everyone, it's Victoria. Thank you for tuning in. I have an exciting guest and I bet it's somebody with a profession you have never thought of before. And I'm super excited to introduce her and to share with you her journey in life and how intuition fit or didn't fit into her business decisions. But first, I wanna to talk just a little bit about voice. The future is here with voice. So it's all about hands-free, voice-activated, data-driven content. Because the future means people don't have to be tethered to their desktops. They don't have to get a cramped neck trying to query a, a product or service with somebody on their smartphone. And I am the founder of Studio Carlton. We produce and develop custom voice platforms for Amazon Alexa and Google Home. So if you have a product, service, and you're trying to expand your audience, gain more recognition, be more interactive, be more personally engaging, then check us out, some of our case studies on studiocarlton.com. And even something as small as promoting your book. We have very clever and creative ways to present your book, make it personally engaging, and send mobile text to users' uh, devices, and create a call to action to buy the book. And we also deal with retail products and professional services as well. If you're looking to stay ahead of the competition, then it's time to go with a voice platform. And Amazon is hands down way ahead of Google Home. They have millions of users and millions and millions of people that query Alexa asking questions all the time. So there you go. Next up, my guest, her name is Amina Hood. Remember that name because I predict she's going to be very famous like Coco Chanel, only in a very unique way. Amina is a milliner. Now, I wasn't really sure what a milliner was for a second, you know, and then I realized she makes custom hats, couture hats. She's been featured on the cover of Vogue and a couple different foreign countries. She's worked with, you know, high profile, a little bit on the snooty side, couture designers, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey, what it's like to design hats, and what her, what her ambitions are, and whether or not intuition was part of the driving factor for her to follow her passion. Amina, it's a pleasure to have you here today. When you were a little girl, what did you dream of becoming when you grew up? <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, I really wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, I literally used to love playing with my Barbie dolls and all, you know, playing with the playing with all the clothes. But one of my first memories, not my first memory, but I was about seven. My mom made me wear these maroon knickers that were like itchy for my birthday. And she had this, like, she put my hair in pigtails. And I just remember after that, like, I'm always going to choose what I'm going to wear. I used to, like, turn my sweat sweatshirts inside out because that's what Madonna was doing. And um, I would actually do that at the bus stop. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Because my mom, I could never, yeah, my mom was always horrified that I wanted to wear my clothes inside out. So kind of ever since I remember, um, my grandmother had, was a huge influence in my life, Lois, and she loved hats. She used to have these red leather pants and she was ultimately fabulous. So. So you already had that idea of being, you know, in fashion when you were a young girl. I'm always fascinated with that in life because, I guess if you're a child, as we all are, we're kids, and we have, you know, this innate ability to sort of have a sense 
of what we're destined to be or what opportunities we have along the way. And you had this, this fashion designer, but when did it actually kick in for you as an adult? Um, and I want to go back to that one second. I lived on a farm. So I lived in a farm in Oklahoma. So where I came up with that, who knows? Um, but when it kicked in as an adult, uh, actually, I went to textile school in San Francisco. I had a great group of friends out there. And of course, we used to go out to the clubs and I would make clothes for my girlfriend and I and we would go out. But it really wasn't until about eight years ago, she called me up and she's like, um, will you make me a hat? And I was like, I don't make hats because she was going to go to Burning Man. Oh, and yeah. right. And uh, I was like, I don't make hats. And she's like, I think you could. And uh, so literally I Googled, like, how do you make a hat? And that's how it all began. And what um, kind of hat did you make her? I made her like a mini top hat. And I had no idea how to make a hat. I actually found a woman um, in Colorado and I did a couple Skype sessions. I mean, looking back on it, that was before like Skype was even, nobody was doing any kind of lesson online then much and let alone learning how to make a hat. So um, in the beginning, it really was just making hats for friends. How does your intuition, did it spark, you know, did it sort of spark this aha moment with you to start creating custom hats for women? It's kind of been a slow burn, like it organically happened. Um, I was making, I called it my fictitious millinery company. Um, I did like, I do create from intuition and I did feel like this, it was intuitively right, but it wasn't until I actually was a finalist in a contest, a hat brand that's been around since 1665. They had this contest and I went there because I was a finalist and that's when I just felt like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I could just feel it. I saw it and I knew it. And that's when I went and studied with a, a couture milliner in New York, Anya Caliendo. And that's really when I gained the skills to further um, my career. So were you nervous about launching a business in the fashion industry that is obviously highly competitive, if not literally cutthroat? I should have been. <laughs> I think. You know, being naive and just like, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here making couture hats in Kansas City in the middle of the oh, Midwest. Like, That's what I said when know. I first met you. I saw your beautiful hats on your website, which I should say is, is AminaHood.com. And I was so fascinated with all your hats. And then I, I looked at where you were located in Kansas City, Missouri. And I said, how is that possible? You right. Know, it's it's really not cool. easy. It's not easy. We are in a material desert here in the Midwest. Um, but I, you know, I think a lot of it was just, it was natural. If I would have known, you know, I don't think I really thought of myself as even being in the fashion business. I mean, I always have a sense of what um, design is, but I mean, I didn't set out to have this big company and it was just me doing what I loved. And then it's just grown from there. And I, I definitely knew it was right, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. So I think, you know, if I look back on it, sometimes, you know, like, you know, you can start to compare yourself and you get start to get nervous. So I think it's better if you don't know anything at all. When did you conceive your first hat design? I mean, was that part of the, the top hat for Burning Man or was there another design that came in before uh, that? That was really part of it. That was really part of it. And, um, you know, I did make another hat there, you know. In the beginning, when you don't have all the tools, 
um, you know, I had one head block and it's a wooden head block that milliners use to drape fabric on. And that's all I had in my head size. And I had some material. Um, I mean, I had some pens and but really from there, that's where I think my intuition came in. That's really where I design. I don't draw things out. Um, so it really comes from from that. And <laughs> I think, you know, you can really push your creativity when you're when you're limited right when you're limited and 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 fact and logic number one but also in money so your intuition really kicks in on that so you're talking about that you don't draw you don't draw your design so you're really going i think from almost a clairvoyant type of thing because you probably get this vision in your mind's eye and you just sort of you know put the hat around this this wood head i guess if that's how that means right well i never knew it was intuition like i mean now i do but girl i mean i've always had it and so i've always had like snip i call it snippets i've had snippets or little flashes or you know i go from a feeling i think a lot of designers go from feelings and if it feels right and then really what is that that's our intuition (laughs) so um, but, you know, I didn't know what you call it or anything, but I, I mean, I've always operated that way. Um, I'll kind of give you uh, a idea of how I design. So there was a futuristic um, exhibit in London and I um, was going to enter a hat in it and I created this utilitarian moss helmet um, that actually um, soaked the moss, soaks up the CO2 from the atmosphere and we all wear them. That's my idea. And then, so we're all like learning together and helping each other together wearing these helmets. But so I was at a museum and I saw um, a sculpture outside by Fuller. It's called the Fly Eyes Dome. I wish I could show it to you now. But it kind of, I just kind of remember seeing that. And then it just like, you know, it's like a snippet in my mind. And then I was talking to a woman about, I was seeing these moss walls all over and I was talking to somebody about them. And then I was like, I saw this flash and I'm like, I'm going to marry these two together. And then I created this helmet. So you first came out with your hats. What what year was that, that you actually had hats to sell? Hats to sell. Oh my goodness. So 13, 14, 15, 2015, maybe. Oh, that's cool. So how many hats? I mean, so here's here. Here you are. You, you're sort of diving into your passion and you develop and, and create and obviously produce these hats. And so where did you market them and, and where did where did people buy them? So at the beginning, it was really just word of mouth. And I, I mean, that's really what my business has been built on is referrals Um and I would do sh- small shows, Instagram. I've really met people from around the world. That's really helped my business. Um, I've been through a couple different websites, but really, I mean, I think mostly it has just been word of mouth. And then I built upon that and I've got to do some of the most fun um, projects. You know, I've done hats for Comic-Con. I've um, created hats, you know, for Vogue. I mean, I, I could just, all these opportunities have just kind of found me. And I mean, some of it is luck. I also feel like it's just like when it feels right in the universe, it it just, it is. So I'm really thankful for 
all the crazy opportunities I've had. So what would you call some of the styles of your hats? Like some of the ones that I really think are fun are these berets, what what I call sort of a colored pom-pom. And there's one on your website that's black and it has this pretty yellow uh, palm kind of adornment on. I think that's really fun. And then you do the really custom hats. But first, let's just talk about some of the hats on your website and where people can maybe, you know, get inspired and go buy yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> well, hats are just really fun. And, you know, we need some fun these days. So um, braids are really popular right now. Um, I love the palm. It adds a little um, splash of color. Uh, fedoras are always popular. There's the boater, the boater. Um, you know, I have hats for beach. I have hats for if you're in the city. Uh, right now I've made uh, cashmere reversible beanies that are going really well. Um, I'm starting to sell in stores. That's where my business is going just because as much as I love the custom, just being up at three o'clock in the morning sewing, <laughs> it's, it's getting a little tiring, so I'm liking to do some, you know, my production line has been really fun lately. What I would say, the beret. So if somebody wanted to buy, like, a custom hat, which is what I plan to do in January, what is the process like? Does a person, they, they send you an email, and then maybe they pick out some ideas, or they email you some ideas that they think? Because I think that's Hi. the coolest thing in life. If you think having a Rolex is hot, I think having a custom hat is hotter. I mean, why oh. not have something that nobody else has? Or it's just a tad different than what you can buy at Neiman Marcus or Saks or Bergdorf's. Right. So what's the process? So the process is, first of all, like I, if I'm going to make a custom hat for you, I really want to know you. And that's where my intuition, I think, really kicks in. I mean, and, you know, I can, I like to have a call or a, most of the time we have some kind of either in person or we can FaceTime or anything. So I can just like see your head, see, you know, talk to you. And a lot of times it's event driven. So, you know, I've had people that have gone going to the Royal Ascot and they've never gone before. And there's certain rules for going to the Royal Ascot. It's like a, you know, a fancy Kentucky, Der a really fancy Kentucky Derby in London, or they're going to a wedding or they're going on a beach vacation. So we start with that and then we um, take measurements and then, you know, we I look at your face shape. But also, you know, I just really want to get to know you. So because that's really what it's about. I mean, I, we're not I'm not saying we spend hours on the phone, like getting to know each other. It's yeah, right. Fun. No, I, I get yeah. it. I get it. So like, at least, you know, some variety of personal photographs. So you have a, a right. sense of and personality. Inspiration. I like to know really what kind of hats they like. Have they worn a hat before? Do they feel comfortable in a hat? You know, that's going to tell me a lot. So how long does it take? Let's say somebody, they call up and they want like uh, a fedora, a custom fedora, but they want maybe the band to be different. Or maybe they're really fussy about, you know, or superstitious about the inside of the hat. So right. how long does it take? Or how, 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 how much leeway do you give them to basically really customize it? Uh, mostly it's about three to five weeks, depending on my production schedule and materials. So if I can get the materials... Um, fast enough and it's not crazy time then mostly I can get it more in that three-week um, process so but um, and also it depends on like what kind of hat we're making if it's just a fedora that's a little you know a little quicker but if we're doing a couture piece and I have to bring you know material over from um, you know Europe or something like that which happens often 
what I'm getting at is millinery material is is not exactly there's not a plethora of it out there for a long time you know millinery was a very dying industry um a lot of people don't even know the word milliner out there so oh, I know um, I know it I know so uh, a lot of those suppliers have gone out of business so to get certain things we have to hunt from all over, around the world for materials so maybe you'll be a, a trendsetter and maybe opening up some type of warehouse that has more interesting European right. uh, fabrics, you know, people can get in the U S and that type of thing. Never say never. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that people get the hat and then they can go about their merry way in that. So you also do these couture design hats and what's that like? I mean, I noticed well, the one on the website looks a lot like a lampshade. So what's the story behind <laughs> that one? The lampshade hat. I know. I love that. Uh, well, that hat was in, um, that hat was actually for a Vogue photo shoot. And I had worked with a stylist about five years ago. And um, when she was an assistant, and then she was leading up this, um, it was during COVID. And she called me up and she said, Can you make a hat for Vogue in a week? And I said, Okay, <laughs> sure. Because you always say yes. Um, to those kind of opportunities, and they were very specific of what they wanted, and I got the French from Canada, the silk French vintage, and, um, you know, everything just so came together just in the nick of time, and um, I had to bring in material from New York. I made the hat within two days, and then I shipped it overnight to New York, and the photographer and the stylist were called me on the set and they're like, we're ready for the hat. And I'm like, you know, the hat is literally like not being delivered and I'm stressed out, but I mean, just everything just happened in the nick of time. So um, thank you universe. Absolutely. So what was it like being, I guess it was on the cover of Vogue or at least on the internal glossy pages of it. What did that feel yep. like being in Globe? And you're in this small town in Kansas city, Missouri, and you're doing couture hats and you are the star Hattery, the military hat stylist in Vogue. Um, well, you know, it was one of those things there, you know, every, it was a surprise just because you never know down to the wire if something's going to make it in. It wasn't definitely on the, the cover. Um, so, and actually it was Ukrainian Vogue, which is pretty incredible in itself too, but it was inside. And so you just never know. Um, so it was a surprise. I was really excited about it. And it was on my, you know, it was on my bucket list. So there you go. <laughs> well, I think it's exciting. I, I just thought it was totally um, just a, a great award to receive, you know, recognition and that type of thing. Was I was honored, really honored and surprised, you know, sometimes you surprise oh, yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that's just where everything aligned at the perfect timing, because if one thing would have gone wrong, it wouldn't have happened. That's right. It always goes back to that intuition and that. So when they called you about doing this, this, this unusual hat design and being in the, you said the Ukrainian Vogue and that, I mean, what did it feel like? Did you feel like, oh, this is great. Do they actually help with the funding on that, putting the, buying the fabrics or anything like that? Or is it just strictly you being, getting recognition in, in Vogue magazine? For this one, it was just strictly me getting, um, so there are some paid assignments like that. Um, this one was all me and just, um, but for the opportunity and, you know, it was such a quick turnaround, you know, I, I didn't really have time to even think about it. It was just like, you know, 
I just got to work on it. Um, I knew what materials I wanted to use and uh, if I could get them. And so, and I knew it was going to work out when everything was just starting to align. You could tell that, you know, it's like I got the material from Canada. It passed customs in time, you know, because things, things don't Sorry. always work like that. <laughs> so you've been, your hats have been in fashion shows, right? Yep. And that I love. Um, actually, that's really something I, I really love is collaborating with stylists and other designers because they always see your designs in a different way than you see it. And then just the creativity that comes from that is really is really great. And um, it really just pushes you and your design process. And then I, just working with other people, um, you know, that's, you know, I'm on my own little island here. So it's nice to nice to get out there. When you're working on your designs or daydreaming or trying to visualize that, have you ever had any clairvoyant visions or ESP? I had a flash probably about 15 years ago of me accepting some type of award for fashion. But, you know, that was like when I had my young son, like, you know, like, it was weird. Like you were like, okay, well that's weird. You know, mostly because here I am schlepping diapers right now. You know, <laughs> I'm like exhausted. The interesting thing about intuition and ESP and all that, that sort of flash that you'd have an award could be, it may not be literally, it could be the fact that you're coming into your own recognition and having a successful business and the award is actually what the universe bestows upon you, the gifts oh. that opens up the doors for you to be able to embark on the adventure that you have been on. I love that. I love that even more just because it has been a gift. It, it's really been fulfilling for me. So what year did you get to have your the first time you were in a fashion show? What did it feel like? Did did all the other sort of um, experienced fashion designers, did they snub you or did they think you were great or how did they sort of react? You know, I don't know. I really wasn't thinking anything of that. Um, I guess I'm oblivious. I was just really nervous that I was going to get everything done in time. And um, I... Um, worked with a designer designer named Heidi Herman and um, on her beautiful dresses. And so I didn't think really any of that. I guess my obliviousness probably gets me pretty far because I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, I, I think it was well received. I hope so. Really, you know, I had never done anything like that before. So I think when you when you do work from that, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't worry about the other stuff. So. That's exciting, and it, that tells me a lot. I guess when I th when I think of you as a child and this vision of being a fashion designer, and in your preteen teens, you know, sort of getting your own identity, you know, and really going bold. I mean, how many how many kids of that particular stage decide to go bold and wear their clothes inside out just to just to make a statement? That's a lot of confidence, I think. And then to be able to go in there and have this fashion show, but again with this sort of sense of of confidence and not allowing you to succumb to feelings of other people's envy or jealousy. I mean, I find being, you know, an intuitive and extremely sensitive, I go into a room and I I immediately pick up things that's like an emotional soup. I pick up the good vibes, bad vibes, all that stuff. And, and it becomes, right. you know, kind of overwhelming in a way. But for you to kind of rise above that, I think that's, that's extraordinary. Because again, yeah. you have to be somewhat intuitive to be a creative anyway. Being able to and have, I guess, have that right. shield, I guess. And I think it's liberating. So when I have days when I don't feel something, I'm just so excited. You just, when I don't feel somebody's vibe and this, that, and the other, I'm just thrilled, you know? 
Mm-hmm. So I admire people that don't have that same, they're able to detach well, somehow, some way like that, you know. I think it's an intense focus that I get just on what I'm doing, that I'm able to just shut everything out. And, um, you know, I'm not, and because I do, I will go into a room and I feel it and I can feel people and I can feel sometimes awkwardness. And so I definitely have, I know what you're talking about, but I think when I'm in this mode, it's just you know, extreme focus and I'm able to shut it all out. And that's probably been really helpful. <laughs> what is like the big goal of that? Do you want to be in an in, in Neiman Marcus or a Bergdorf or a Saks? Yes, I do. You know, it took me a while to get there. Like when I was first making these custom couture hats, they were like my little babies going on adventures. And I had to think of them that way so I could even let them go. Or I was like, can I even create something like that again? And I think as things have grown, I've seen the vision grow. And now it's like, I want this baby to like run and jump and leap. And I'm ready for it. So um, I do want that. And I see that coming. I'm open. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. So you got these great designs of hats. So what do you think the latest trends are going to be in 2022, 23, 24 about the future of hat styles? You know, I mean, I think hats are tricky because a lot of people don't even think of themselves as, you know, you. a lot of people are like, well, I'm not a hat person, you know, but I do think people are going to become more comfortable even with the idea of wearing a hat. And I mean, I think the big trend should be let's wear a hat. doesn't matter what it is. Let's just have fun. It's a, you know, they're, they're absolutely the cherry on top of an outfit. It's a great way to accessorize. And, um, you know, I mean, not everybody's doing it. So I think it's fun. Right. Cause I think hats in general, aren't just for women that are professionals. I think it could be for anybody. It could be for the 20 year old, the 30 year old. I think a hat is, it's all about, I don't want to say self-discovery, but it's all about, you know, who you are. It's, it's about confidence. I absolutely agree with you. I always say I came up with this, I think, and maybe this is the way it makes me feel. But I, I when I wear a hat, like I feel like I can conquer the world. Like there's it's like putting on this persona. Um, I don't know, this persona of me that is like really confident. <laughs> What are the styles? So now, do you think berets are still always going to be? Um... I think berets are really hot, popular right now. I noticed you had a couple of different berets on your website that have a little uh, sort of adornments or charm. The beret is a classic, and I think we kind of got away from wearing it, but I think they're pretty popular right now. Everybody's wearing the bucket hat. That's like the Prada bucket hat is really big on um, the, on Instagram. And, um, I have mixed emotions about a bucket hat, but I make a pinch bucket. Um, it's my creative take on it, but you know, I think the fedora still will always be strong because it's a classic style and it, um, has a lot of coverage. Uh, beanies are really big right now. Um, all the kids wear them. So, um, I'd like to see people, you know, just, getting more into, um, you know, wearing hats to weddings. The English wear hats to weddings. I mean, think of the royal wedding. I would love, it's such a um, whimsical, fun thing to put into a wedding. It makes it light. And um, so I hope we can get back to, you know, doing that here in the States. 
So do you think women are, in general, everyday working women, do you think they're going to be more or less more sophisticated about hats? Absolutely. Um, you know, that's where a beret, I think, is a perfect hat for that because you're, you know, you're greeting people. It's a great, you know, a lot of people just see you from, you know, you're, if you're behind a desk, you know, it's a great way for to show your style and then be comfortable. If your office is cold, you can stay warm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think the beret for that is great. How do you stay inspired and passionate about your hat designs? I mean, what's your go-to thing for inspiration? A lot of it is walking. I feel like when I'm walking, I get a lot of inspiration just flood through there. I think that's when a lot of my intuition comes. Um, I love the art museum. Any any kind of design, um, just, you know, looking through, you know, architecture design books, really. But so much of it is just throughout my day. You know, I take these snippets throughout my day and I file them away. But, you know, we all have these creative slums. And I, I feel like a lot of it is just because I'm stressed and drained. So I just need to, you know, do something I love to do. And it comes flooding back. When you started your company, did you start with $100 in your pocket like some people do? Or are you looking today for the million-dollar type of investment? And then how would you change your distribution of the hats and marketing if you had a million-dollar investment? Good question. Well, I started out with really nothing to put into it because it was just a hobby. And, you know, I called it my fictitious millinery company. And as I've grown, I've just put money back into it and I've continued to grow it. Um, I'm absolutely open to a million dollar investment. I would know exactly what to do with it. Um, so open is the big word there. And, uh, you know, I would... You know, I'm working on right now, I'm currently working on development for other product lines um, for doing purses and um, some knitwear. So absolutely any of that would be great. So I can expand and expand into other markets. Very good. Well, I know that you're going to be very successful, and I'm sure that in 2022, Aww. it's going to be a good time for, you know, some extra funding for you to expand and do more on marketing. And like you say, to be able to have more of a production team, hopefully based in the U.S. and not in a foreign country. Yeah, that's the plan. I'm, in, I'm already set up in New York. Because we, want to, we my... want to see those made in USA signs, you know, made Absolutely. in USA labels rather. It, it still is. It still is. And um, it's by me. And then I have a small team in New York. And then I have a small knitwear team in Texas. So and I know them all by name. And that's I'd like to stay that way. Well, that's exciting. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have met you and connected with you and spend time. I'm, I'm sure, honored. I'm Thank sure you. you're probably the only millinery I'll ever meet. And I love your hats. <laughs> and again, Aww. it's the holidays. If women, you want to treat yourself or your loved ones and friends to a really fun beret, especially, um, is go to AminaHood.com. And that's A-M-I-N-A, Hood, H-O-O-D.com. And check her out on Instagram. I just think you're terrific. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm seriously honored. Um, it was it was great meeting you, and I know we're going to be doing some fun things. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Intuitive Edge. It's been my pleasure to share my conversation with you. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast, The Intuitive Edge, now is the time to do so. The Intuitive Edge podcast is a series of interviews with professionals, entrepreneurs, intuitive thinkers, authors, and is produced by the Intuitive Edge team. 
Copyright, Western Media Group, LLC.